Heathen Highlights. Welcome to this episode of the Comical Heathen, a new feature we've started recently called Heathen Highlights. This is where I, your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, the world's most highly educated stand-up comedian and the Comical Heathen, share with you some of our favorite clips over the past two seasons. Today's episode features my season one interview with Professor P.Z. Myers, known for his science blog and his book, The Happy Atheist. The clip that we have for you today is him reacting to my questions about creationism, which as a biology professor and a vocal atheist, he definitely has opinions about. And if you enjoy this clip, please listen to the full episode. I'll include a link in the description down below. And now here it is, today's Heathen Highlights with P.Z. Myers. What is so noisome or offensive about creationism? Oh, well, it's it's because it, it's so flat-out contradictory and wrong, mm-hmm. yet people believe it, that they just, they just embrace it so right. wholeheartedly. You know, if, if you know anything about the science behind it, you're just sitting there thinking, this is, this is nuts. These are cultists who have embraced this <laughs> weird idea. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's also because I, I have a really strong interest in history, and I've read a number of books on the history of this. Okay. The form of creationism we have now was not present 100 years ago. In fact, if you go back to the you know the early 1900s and you read things like the fundamentals and all the stuff that founded evangelical Christianity and fundamentalist Christianity, uh, what you find is a willingness to accept the scientific discoveries, that what they were struggling to do is reconcile this whole idea that the earth is billions of years old with what the Bible says. And they, they had all these different Different models right. for how it could be, which you know was reaching as far as I was concerned. But okay, they they really were interested in having a belief that did not conflict with the scientific evidence. And then hmm. along comes Morris in 1961, publishing the Creation Flood, and it's completely different because what he has done, they simply abandon all effort to reconcile okay. science and religion, and instead embrace the fact that science was all wrong and religion was correct. And that's all you need to know. And it was a very was a very reassuring message to many people because it was saying, you don't need to learn that hard stuff about science. Just stick to your Bible, believe it literally, and you're all good. So it, it was a it was a kind of a radical transformation in their approach to science. And uh, yeah, and it's just gotten worse and worse. Um, Answers in Genesis is the worst, but yeah. Let me ask you this question. If you are in a casual uh, social encounter, what I sometimes refer to as coffee shop conversations, with acquaintances and someone in the group brings up creationism or, you know, that they're an evolution skeptic of some stripe, but is there a specific, like, a go-to either point or example that you would give to someone who was um, a skeptic of evolution? Well, my strategy in those cases is not to go for a broad brush dismissal of all of creationism because, you know, then you've just you've just removed yourself from the conversation. You said there's this vast gulf between us, never mind. But instead what I'll do is I'll wait for them to bring up something specific. And I've got enough background in the science and the creationism that usually what ends up happening is I sit there and quietly dismantle their claim, tear that one apart. In a, in a sort of non-judgmental way, you say, well, no, that's wrong because we know X, Y, and Z. Here's right. the evidence that says this is this is wrong. 
And you just do that. Sometimes what that means is the other person will simply drop the whole topic because they know they're in big trouble <laughs> if they continue. But there have been a few occasions where I get trapped into conversation with this tactic because I've, I've actually spent three hours at a session just dismantling some guy's claims one after the other. So it can get exhausting. And the thing is that at the end of it, he still believes. So how much time of how much of your time do you need to invest to that specific yeah, encounter? I've, I've always considered it this is like going for your daily run or something. Right. It's a little exercise, <laughs> keep yourself in shape. So I, I accept that. Changing minds is hard and it's can only be done incrementally. And what you hope for is that at some point they have a little revelation and they decide, I've got to go look this up for myself. You can't learn it from me. You yes. have to be motivated to do it. Um, and that's where I've had my most success in conversion is, you know, I hate to use the word conversion, yes. but that's actually <laughs> what it is, is, is where I've gotten somebody so mad at me that they are determined to go prove me wrong. Then they discover they end up proving me right. But as a biology professor, you must occasionally get students who are evolution deniers. Yeah. You know, I've had some interesting experiences with those. For instance, several years ago, I had a student in my introductory biology course who was open about being a creationist and actually would raise questions in class about this stuff. But he was also smart and really motivated. So it was, it was a weird situation because he'd ask these really stupid questions. There are such things as stupid questions. And he would ask these really stupid questions. I have to explain to him patiently that that's incorrect. He would come to my office hours to talk to me about these sorts of things. And he was struggling with all this, and he was getting straight A's on all the exams. He's smart. He's disciplined. He's, he's actually sitting down, and he knows what answer I'm expecting, so he gives that. <laughs> And he was cruising towards an A in the class, and then all of a sudden he dropped it. And he came to me and he said these ideas were challenging his faith and he could no longer continue in it. And, you know, I, I can kind of respect that, but I'm also kind of sad about it. Because right. he would have succeeded at anything he wanted to do. But religion had closed off these big areas Basically, all of science was excluded to him because of his beliefs. And so that was a tragic loss. Hmm. I don't want to leave creationism without at least asking you. I have been to the Creation Museum for part of my research, and I know you have as well from reading your blog. Mm -hmm. Of course, from, you know, entrance to exit, the entire place is offensive and ridiculous. But I wonder, <laughs> again, if you talk about the Creation Museum or write about it, is, are there specific points that you use as examples of how inaccurate the claims are? Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things... I've talked about with my scientists, friends, and colleagues has been the portrayal of evolution in the museum. Okay. And I don't, I don't mean just the cartoonish, oh, it'll make you evil sort right. of portrayal, but they are compelled by the evidence to somehow fit evolution into their worldview. And the usual strategy is to say, well, you know, there was, there were two of each kind and each kind represents a family level of taxonomy. And, they then diversified after the flood, so right. in 4,000 years. And so you, you start looking at this stuff, and it's hyper-evolution. Right. It's, it's evolution at a rate that is just unimaginable <laughs> to a biologist. So it's, it's this weird thing where we're sitting there looking at this stuff, and we have to argue, well, yeah, evolution happens, but it can't happen that fast. <laughs> and, and you can't have evolution happen that rapidly, especially if you're given... You know, if your starting stock is two individuals or, or seven in the case of the 
holy ones. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it, this is just unrealistic and impossible. And you, if you sit down and try and do the math, nothing works. Right. But I'm... at the same time, they're arguing that they don't believe in evolution at all. It's, it's a very weird right. dichotomy that we are seeing. So the theme of the book I'm working on is religious satire. In your uh, book in particular, there are definitely references to the role of humor in your approach to either atheism or life. Uh, you even have, um, I'm actually holding your book in my hands to make sure I say this correctly. You even have a chapter called Laughter as a Strategy for Diminishing Religion. Yep. In that chapter, you say religion has at least two weaknesses. One is that it is empirically false. The other weakness, one we neglect at the cost of diminished effectiveness, is that religion is hilarious. So um, what do you think of the role of humor, comedy, m mocking in either like atheism, new atheism, debate, you know, yeah. what you will? Yeah, it's, it's, it's because there's a, there is a kind of trade-off here is that as a scientist, we could get really serious and give a long lecture in basic biology and evolutionary principles to an audience of church-going fanatics. <laughs> and it, it, it will not work. They will tune you out. And also, often they don't even have the background to grasp what you're talking right. about. You know, it's, it's like what I just said about their rates of evolution. They don't care about the numbers. They don't have the basic math to figure this stuff out. So, you know, they just accept what Pastor Ken Ham says. So, yeah, we need something to, to turn this into a little bit more of, of an entertainment because people do not usually voluntarily go to long lectures in biology. And when you're trying to get in touch with, you know, a general audience of possibly quite smart, possibly even well-educated people who have no background in what you're talking about, you got to have a way to draw them in. We really hope you enjoyed that, and if you did, please look up that full episode. And if you enjoy our original and unique content, be sure to follow, like, and share what we do. We really appreciate your support. I've been your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Our original theme music features Mark Bell playing Bach on the famous Skinner organ. It's been remixed by Jeff Geddert. Thank you for listening. You can always contact us at, at comicalheathen at gmail.com. And as always... It might be your dogma, but it's my karma, and I'm all about spreading the love. Thank you. Thank you.